So welcome again, my dear beloved brothers and sisters and friends who are joining us for our Bible study. As you remember, we are on a journey of discipleship and we want to know God better. The question I've asked a few weeks ago is, do you know God? And we followed it up or up with the question of what is God like? And we want to learn and know the master and our teacher that we are following. So a disciple is somebody who follows a teacher's doctrine. And last week, as my dear clip art friend Roger has already given you the intro, it's just a little bit of reflection what we've already learned about him. So today, I want to look and talk to you about the attributes of God. And I know I said I wasn't going to look at the virtues as well, but I think we're going to keep ourselves busy just with the attributes today. There's four attributes I want to talk to you about. But first of all, what is an attribute? An attribute takes a value and he associates that value with an object. And when we look at the object and we think about the object, we see the value of the object. And this is what we want to do today. When we look at God, who's not an object, I'm not bringing God down to that level. We want to take values and associate those values with God. And then when we live this Christian life or this disciple life, we see the values of God all around us. And that encourages us. An attribute is something like a characteristic or a quality. So let's go to the Bible. And I'm just going to give you scripture verses. So I implore you to look at each scripture verse. Pause the video. Read the scripture verse. I might be going too fast for you. But just stop and have a look at it as we go through these verses. The first verse I want us to look at is in Psalm 139. And I want to open up there in verse 7. Because the verse says, or the psalmist write to us and he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Question mark. He says, where can I go? And then he follows it up by saying, Or where can I flee from your presence? And the word there for spirit and presence is the same idea. Where the Spirit of God is, there is the presence of God. And the psalmist asked this question now, where can I go from that? It's a very good question. And then he says, if I ascend up into heaven, you are there. And if I go down into, and the scripture verse there is using the word hell, that means if you go down under the earth, you are there. And then he says, if I go to the furthest part, if I fly to the furthest part of the ocean, that God is still there. He says there in verse 10, even there at that place, your hand shall lead me. So where can I go, the psalmist say? So I want you to think in an inductive way here. What do I mean? Inductive way is we're going to draw some meaning out of that scripture that you've just read. We're not going to read meaning into it. What is the psalmist trying to tell us there? He's, he's telling us. And the first attribute of God is God's omnipresence. And this is what he says. He says, where can I go that your spirit is not there? That your presence is not there? And this is what we call the omnipresence of God. He's omnipresent everywhere he is. And this is the word now at the same time. Now think of this. 
if he's omnipresent and he's everywhere at the same time, then he's here with me in the room today, but he's also with you on the other side of the camera. And he can be, not can be, he's also with your loved ones in another country or with your children in another house. God is everywhere. This is what grabbed the psalmist that he write down those words for us. Now, if you think of this, in Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 2, we read that the earth was without form and it was void and darkness was over the face of the deep. In other words, there was no light. When this, and, and look, our brains can't comprehend this. He says darkness was filling the earth, this planet of ours. And then in the very next verse, he says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So he was there. This is why the psalmist cried. He says, where can I go? And, and look, the psalmist was only talking in our atmosphere. Even if you go outside in space, which we know now we can, we go out of space. God is there. That is his omnipresence. He's everywhere, and this is the key, at the same time. I can't do that as human. I can call you over the phone, and you can look at me through this camera now, and I can be present here now, but you see my image in your living room. So in a way, I'm there, although I can't see your reaction. That doesn't make me omnipresent. And let me just add in here, if we look at the attributes of God and we think at the attributes of, of Satan, the devil, he is not omnipresent. He cannot be like God with every single person on the face of the earth. That is a very good clue to have and an understanding of the power of God. So we look at Jeremiah chapter 23, 23, and we're going to look at Old Testament scriptures and New Testament scriptures. Because I just like it. And I love it when the Bible backs itself. In Jeremiah chapter 23, 23, God speaks through the prophet. He says, am I a God near at hand? Am I that God? Are you proclaiming him as that God who's near at hand? And not afar off? Can anyone hide himself in a secret place? Is there such a place? And you and I know the answer is no. Nobody can. And here we see the same thing. He says, shall I not see him, says the Lord? And now I like this next part. He says, do I not fill heaven and earth? Wow. Think about that concept. Brother, sister, he's not only present with us, but he fills. He's got the volume. The capacity to fill heaven and earth. I can't fill anything. I only fill my clothes. That's all I can fill. But he fills heaven and earth. He's omnipresent. Now you say, what is the courage we can take out of this? What, what, what can we take out? How does that affect me as a disciple, as a child of God? Well, think back at Joshua. You remember when Joshua took over the reins from Moses when Moses died? And Joshua was going to be the man taking them into the promised land. There in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5, God speaks to Joshua. And he says to him, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What a promise. 
What a promise he gave him. No man shall be standing in front of you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, now listen to this now, so I will be with you also. What is the courage in that? We are his children. More so than Joshua. Joshua, God was with him, and I believe we're going to see Joshua in heaven. But you and I are his children. And if he said the same words to Joshua, he says the same words to us. He says, I will be with you. I will not leave nor forsake you. And he can only make that promise if he is omnipresent. What if he wasn't omnipresent and somebody takes away his attention for one minute away from Joshua and a stray arrow comes and he kills Joshua before he enters the promised land? That could not happen. It didn't happen. Why? Because God is the only one who could make that promise that I will be with you and I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. And then he says to him, be strong and of good courage. I want to say to you today, in your isolation, in your lockdown state now, in states of fear and panic, be strong and full of courage. Why? Because your omnipresent God is with us. Now let's go to the New Testament. You say that's good. Let's back it up by New Testament scripture. Remember, Jesus was with us. And now in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he speaks to the people, to his, to his disciples. And I, I'm one of his disciples. So he spoke these words to me as well. He says, lo, I am with you always. How encouraging is that? He's with me always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So the first attribute of God we're looking at is his omnipresence. He's everywhere, but remember, at the same time. So let's look at the second attribute of God. We go again back to Psalm 139. And we start now in verse 1. And again, I want you to do inductive study. Pull out of it. While I read this verse or uh, uh, narrate this verse for you, I want you to take out of it what is the attribute we can hold on to. He says there in verse 1, he says, You've searched me and you know me. The psalmist say, God, you've searched me. And as he searched me, he searched you. And he knows. And let me say to you, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows me better than I know myself. And he allows things in my life so that I can learn more about myself. And he says it right here in this passage here. He says, you've searched me and you know me. You know my sit down when I go sit down and speak to people. My rising up, you know, you understand my thoughts afar off. He even knows what you're going to think in the next five minutes. In the next, he even knows what you're going to think and say tomorrow. How wonderful is that? For some, it might be frightening, I know. But he knows these kind of things. He understands my thoughts are far off. You comprehend my path, he says, where I'm going to go and my lie down. And you're acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You know it all together. You've hedged me from behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. And now he says these words, the psalmist. He says, such knowledge that I just explained. Which is, for our little feeble mind, we can't even comprehend that. The psalmist says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It will keep you up a lifetime. 
to even comprehend this knowledge that the psalmist is talking about. He says, it is high and I cannot attain it. I just can't. So this is what he's talking about. Now let's go back to the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 10 and in verse 29, uh, he talks about the sparrow. He says how, uh, how valuable sparrows is for God and uh, are they not more worth than copper coins? He says, doesn't he know that if anyone falls into the ground, the father knows about it and it will be according to his will. But look at this now, Matthew chapter 10 verse 30 says, but the very hairs, and look, I'm sensitive when you talk about hairs, okay? Why? Well, just look at my head. And now he says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I've lost, I think the math equation on my head is a little bit easier than on your head. But I'll leave it out for, for God one day. But he knows. He knows the number. Have you ever sat down and tried to count the hair of your wife's head? On a head? Have you tried to count the hairs of your husband? Or maybe your children? I mean, it is nearly impossible. If not. And, but here he comes and he says that he counts them all. He, do you do that? And how wonderful is that? So let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at Psalm 147 now again. Because now we know that He knows the content of your heart. He knows what we're thinking, what we're going to speak. He counted our hair. How wonderful is it the things that God knows? And now He, he says the Psalmist, Psalm 147, He says, He counts the number of the stars. That's, have you tried that? Have you tried that? Even the scientists can't put down how many stars there are, but God counted them. He counted them. Not only did He count them, this verse says, or the psalmist say, but he gave them names. Now, I don't think it's going to be the names that we know for the stars like Orion and all of these names. It's going to be wonderful one day when we stand with God and he calls the stars by name. There's going to be names which you and I haven't even heard of in our whole lifetime. Guess the, the next 20 or 30 lifetimes of people ahead of us. This is so magnificent. How good is it to be a child of God? He counts the stars. He, he calls them by name. And then he says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Infinite. So what is this attribute then of God? The second attribute. It is the word which you call omniscience. 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 That means God is all-knowing. This means that God knows every single thing, including the past and the future. There is nothing that God is unaware of. Nothing catches God by surprise. So, first of all, we saw that He's omniscient. He's everywhere. And now, uh, and now we see that He is omniscience. Uh, that He is he is all um, knowing. He knows every single thing that you and I need to know or that we think we know, but we don't. So let's look at the third, the third attribute. So the first one, omnipresence, omniscience, and now we're coming to the third one. We go to the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and we look at verse 3. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Remember, he's talking about Jesus here now who's in our day speaking to us. He says, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, 
This is Jesus. He's in the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. What about him? And upholding all things by the power of his word or the word of his power. Now we're starting to talk about power. Again, let's draw meaning from the scripture out to us. In Jeremiah, now we go to the Old Testament, chapter 32, verse 27. It's God speaking again through the prophet. He says, Behold, I, the Lord, the God of all flesh. He is, there's only one God. There's no other gods. They're all fakes. But here he says, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard to, for me? It only takes somebody with this immense power who can make a statement like this. Is there anything too hard for me? Come on, I challenge you. Is there anything that you think? Because there's a lot of things that's too hard for me. That I look at it and I go, that's too hard for me. And I can, I, maybe I can write down on A4 paper a whole list of things which is too hard for me. But for God, there's nothing. If you put a paper in front of God and, and say, write anything that's too hard, there's nothing too hard for God to do. Nothing. It's blank versus my paper. He says, I am the God of all flesh. And I'm, I'm so glad to have a God with that kind of power to be my God. In Matthew, now we jump to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 19. Um, but Jesus looked at them. And he said to them, with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And the only way that that can be possible is if he's got that power. The only way that he can make a statement like that is if he truly has the power to do all things. Now, the attribute that we give God here is the word omnipotence. Omnipotence. And this means that God is all-powerful. He is our despot, our absolute ruler. He is our sovereign God. And there is no one like Him. You've heard me say this before, but if God looks around on His level, there is nobody, nobody who is even like Him. So let's finish today. Or, or let me give you a comfort out of knowing that this is the powerful God we serve. Uh, I want to give you this scripture in Psalm 121. Now, in Psalm 121, the psalmist writes this down in a time of desperateness. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he asks the question, from whence will come my help? Where will my help come from? If you look at a mountain range majestic, and you look at that and the power that sits in that, and you think, where's my help going to come from? He answers that for you and for me. He says, my help comes from the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth. Is there anything, anything too powerful for him that he cannot do? And this is that we need to understand. He says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. Or he, he, he who keeps you will not slumber. So we're looking at an omnipotent God. He's all-powerful. And it's good if we know this power of our God. Uh, Paul writes it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This the only strength comes from Christ. That is what he understands. So let me finish today with 
our first attribute of God, uh, fourth attribute of God. We know He's omnipresent, He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipotent. And now we're looking at the third. We find the fourth one in Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 and in verse 6. He says, For I am the Lord. Now listen to this now. I do not change. Wow, we're living in a world of change. We're seeing it all around us. People are even now saying that this is the new norm. There's a lot of talk about a lot of change coming. And it, change is constant. But it's good to know that in a world of change, we have an anchor, which the Bible says in Malachi, God said in himself, he says, I do not change. Let the scripture back itself in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. We've got a song that we love to sing. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Hell can change us, but Jesus never. Glory to His name. So all things can change, but He changes never. God says it Himself. In James chapter 1 verse 17, He says, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or a shadow of turning. Now the word variation here means that if you start out and there's a small variation down there in front, it's a big gap. In, in our worship of God, in our following of Him, we can't allow any kind of variation to come in. This is why we need to know that He is our source of truth. That there is no variation in Him. It's right and it's wrong. It's Him or it's not. He never changes. Now, this attribute is called the immutability of God. He's immutable. He can't change. He hasn't got a changing character like us. And if you think about this, if this God cannot change, that means His promises I yea and amen, and it stands fast, and you can stand on his promises. It's not as if he's going to change his mind tomorrow and say, look, uh, I know I've promised something, but it's not going to happen. It's not, it's, that's not going to happen with God. He's an immutable God. Immutability. So there's the fourth characteristics of God. We know the attributes of God now. You've heard it now today. So the God who you are serve. Serving is an omnipresent God. He's present everywhere at the same time. And take courage in that. That's the God that you serve. That's your God. That's the value ascribed to Him. If you look at the attributes of Him around you, that should encourage you as a disciple. Not only that, He's omniscient. He's omniscient. We can't... You know, he knows everything, omnipotent. He's all-powerful and he's immutable, so he can't change. So let me just encourage you with one scripture before we pray. And, and uh, next week I'll talk to you about the virtues of God. And that is uh, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 35. If you think about this God that we're talking about, if you think about the attributes, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel really 
really small, small uh, against this this big God. How great is God? How great and wide is His vast domain? Yet small enough to dwell in my heart. But this scripture verse really grabs my heart because it says in Matthew twenty five thirty five, I was a stranger, and you took me in. Think about this. Another translation says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. You welcomed me. This God, who's omnipresent, who's all-powerful, who knows everything, who's not changing, versus you, a stranger, and He took you in. He took me in. This truly for me is bigger than I can anticipate. Bigger than I can think. This is a wonderful God to worship. This is my God. This is the God that I love. This is the God who's got his hand over me. And it's backed by the hand of the Son. And it's backed by the hand of the Holy Spirit. And it holds me. Because I was a stranger. And he welcomed me in. So next week we will look at the virtue of God. My prayer is that you do learn more about God as a disciple. Again, I leave you with these words. How can you follow somebody who you don't know? You already know a few things about God now. And I pray that it strengthens your faith. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will bless my, my listeners today. That you will speak to their hearts. That you will encourage them. Father, that they will know that we serve in them. A God that's everywhere, who knows everything, and uh, Father who's powerful, and also Lord who, who, who will not change. I do not change, you say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Keep everybody safe, Lord. Amen.